Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. This is a Friday edition of the podcast, so you know that we have a great long-form interview set aside for you. Today, I'm going to be joined by Mr. John Martin. He has been involved in Care Youth League for quite some time, a graduate of Rio Hondo Prep from 1974, had the opportunity to play in the first CIF championship football game in Rio Hondo history back in 72 that they lost and then came back the next year and won in 73. Uh, lots of chat about with Mr. John Martin, longtime coach of the program. Uh, he's the executive director now of Care Youth League. He's the CFO, the chief financial officer for Minuteman Transport. He's on the board at Pasadena City College. Uh, there's a lot to cover, so let's get right to it and bring him on the show right now. Uh, it is my privilege to be joined by Mr. John Martin today on the podcast. Mr. John Martin, welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast. Hello, man. How's it going, sir? So you were telling me off the air that uh, this is your very first podcast and maybe you haven't heard uh, too many podcasts really in the past. Not a big podcaster, probably should be more, but I'm not. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Trust me, I was well behind the times and... Um, it's a great medium to have conversations with people. Well, I, I really appreciate you uh, doing this with me, Mr. Martin. And, uh, you know, I kind of gave a brief introduction about you uh, with uh, many different titles, executive director of Care Youth League. Uh, you're on the board at Pasadena City College, the chief financial officer for Minuteman Transport. But you most recently uh, have a new title, a brand new title that I know you're very proud of, and that is... Uh, grandpa. So how's it feel being a new grandfather? Wow, that it is like super special. <laughs> uh, she's just the sweetest little thing on the planet and so precious. I can't tell you how, how excited grandma and I are. <laughs> <laughs> and we feel very, you know, we feel very grateful because, you know, obviously this connects us to the drains. And so, uh, you know, that's just a really neat thing. Uh, we're looking forward to Mother's Day. Um, the Drains and Martins are gonna do it all together. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. So, um, wow. Janet and I are thrilled and we're just thrilled for her and we're thrilled to be a part of a, you know, pretty special extended family there with all the Drains and, Absolutely. Looking forward to watching her grow. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a wonderful news. I too. don't know what else to say except for <laughs> except for I can't ever find grandma anymore without her. You know, grandma's <laughs> with her every chance she can get. And Aunt Mackenzie just lives to be with her. So, you know, the whole the whole clan on this side, and I know she's got equal support on the other side. So it's just a really great thing. Oh, she's in great hands. And uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling that it's probably going to be that way for a while there, Mr. Martin, where 
Uh, <laughs> look, hey, Matt, you can call me John. You can call me whatever. You I want. know, it's but fine. you know, sir, some some habits yeah. die hard. You know, I I, I know that's okay. <laughs> it's just as I try to explain this to to people who are not affiliated with care youth. Yeah, for real. Why we up. get that? Right. That's just that's just how things work. And you know, it, away from care, my title's usually "Hey, you." So it's okay. <laughs> You'll answer to almost anything, huh? Right. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, uh, we got a lot to get to, uh, Mr. Martin, uh, talking about uh, you know your experience with Care Youth League and, and many other things. But you you are currently the, the executive director of Care Youth League, and so what exactly what exactly does that mean as far as your responsibilities on on kind of a, a daily basis or throughout the year? So we obviously we have a lot of. Um, directors they have different names up at Mount Carrots you know camp manager at Pearl Prep and Real Hunter Prep it's called Principal Care Youth League it's maybe the commissioner you know Mr. Bollinger uh, each of the care centers has a director um, I my job is to kind of coordinate all the directors together so that the total you know our our greater Christian mission is working across the organization so I like to say we have a pretty flat administrative structure and I'm kind of underneath it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's kind of my role is to be the director for the directors and kind of be the coordinators on the total organization. And then, and because of that, then I get to represent all of them with our board of directors and different places like that. So um, I'm kind of just trying to coordinate them all you know, I, I've, you mentioned a lot of the places that I've been fortunate enough that I've got to work with a lot of different people in a lot of different places. And one of the things that all the people at Care Youth League that are living there, you know, so much, so long every day don't realize, but um, the working with the care directors is just totally different than almost any place else because they're also giving. Um, you know, many places, there's a lot of silos and companies and everybody's fighting for their department or their division, or, you know, everybody's got their niche or the little inside politics. But when you get together with these amazing people for Care Youth League and, you know, so many of them just give it up. And, um, you know, one department may have extra hours and say, hey, maybe this department can use and we can hire somebody to do this. You know, it's just just the last month or two, we're working on how to, uh, in, you know, improve obviously all the time, how to be more efficient and how can we help more children. And, and the finance department was, you know, Mr. Fullerton's this amazing CFO and he's saying, well, you know, I have these finance hours, but I think, I think development could take them and then we could get maybe a new 40 hour job here. We can hire somebody. And, and, you know, so it's like that all the time. All these directors are just in there for the greater care youth play, greater, what can we do for all these students? What can we do for all these members? And it's really not about them. Well, so, uh, anyway, that's the, that's the joy I get is to work with people like that. Yeah. Sound like you got us a, a flyover there for uh, Yeah, I did. A yeah. Way to go. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, like, people magazine, I'm sure. <laughs> well, let me ask you, you know, Okay, Care Youth League is a wonderful foundation, uh, Christian-based, trying to uh, bring children to God through sports mostly, and, you know, those, just a wonderful cause.
But what I've saw at times is when people are passionate and also competitive, which a lot of people are, Carrie Fleek, uh, sometimes <laughs> a lot of people like Carrie are. <laughs> yeah, you know, you 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 start you start uh, these games, and I I was I unfortunately was the referee of a lot of these games, so I saw kind of how people turn the tide a little bit. Now, I, you know, everyone has the same goal in mind, you know, God, and and it's all wonderful. But in some of these meetings, does it get a little competitive? Does it get a little dicey and edgy maybe? Um, And there they go again. They're circling over again. I'll let them go by before I answer. (laughs) Um, You you know, um, by and large, I'm going to say the answer is really no. I mean, obviously, at a time here, a time there, people get a little more passionate about a particular situation. Um, The thing that I appreciate as directors, and this is kind of one of my mantras, is I make decisions, I don't make judgments. Mm. And so, you know, there's decisions you have to make to run an organization, to run your life every day. You try to make the best decision you can make at the time you have to make it. Um, Many times I always say to myself, I'll never, you know, I may never know if this was the best decision. But if I approach this issue and I look at both sides and I'm praying about it, I'm looking for what God's will is here and you force, you make a decision and whether it's the, whether it was the perfect decision or not, you know, made the best decision you can make if you approach it with that spirit and that approach, they pretty much do that. Um, if they're passionate about anything, it's really, it isn't their department or they're worried about them. It's just their passion for the young people and they're just concerned and, you know, want something to be better. And yet at the same time, you know, because we try to make as many decisions as collectively as we can as a group, you know, because there's wisdom in the numbers as the Bible says, uh, you know, there's also a lot of support for the wisdom of the group. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you don't, sometimes somebody may not be on the majority side of something, but there's, you know, a trust in the wisdom of the group. Well, I mean, a tr- so, you know, yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's life, right? So disagreement is life. I mean, you don't, right, get a, absolutely. you don't get along with uh, your family a hundred percent of the time. And those are the people absolutely. you love most in the world. So getting together and, and coming up with ideas or, or what's the best direction for the program has got to be tough at times. And I heard a quote once, and I don't know how much truth there is to it, but it's something along the lines of uh, there's, there's more damage done with indecision than maybe wrong decision. And so I think indecisiveness kind of, yeah, it's it's like, okay, let's just make a decision here. Um, Ultimately is what kind of leadership uh, has to do at times. And and I want to ask you about leader. You're in a, you have lived your whole life. It seems like in leadership positions, (laughs) especially now, what, what to you, not necessarily a leader in carry youth league, but just a leader in life. What are some of the biggest traits that you think uh, leadership uh, needs to have or, or should kind of characterize? Okay. I wasn't ready for that one, but I think I got a pretty good answer. <laughs> I'm going to circle back to a, a message that Mrs. Arliss Dow gave at our youth church service one Sunday, a long time ago. And she basically divided personalities of people 
into four quadrants and she gave them colors. So, you know, this has been done by management people all over and pick colors, you can pick animals, whatever. But in the Mrs. Dowd version that I heard that Sunday, um, there, there are your blue people who are kind of, uh, you think of uh, a little bit dominant, a little bit, you know, this is the, what we're going to do. Let's do it. You, you have your, um, you have your green personalities that are a little more calculating, a little more doing like, you know, kind of almost doing the math behind their decisions in the background. And they're more, uh, you know, I would put the, the Apostle Peter in the blue category. You have your green personalities that are trying to calculate and good at moving things forward and just kind of nose to the grindstone kind of thing. You have your yellow personalities, which are very, very congenial individuals who are easy to talk to, easy to get along, you know, with. And then you have your red personalities that may be a little more uh, artistic, a little more creative, a little different, a little out there. And I would say that good leadership, good leadership skills, you would say, which one of those would do you want to be if, if you really want to be a good leader? Are you the, the Peter, you know, dominant? Or are you the green? Okay, we're going to work through this together. Are you the yellow congenial? Let's kumbaya here. Or are you just artistic with these wild? I would say the answer is you need to be right in the middle. Mm -hmm. You need all of those. There's a time for leadership to step up and say, this is what we're doing. There's a lot of time for leadership to try to work congenially and understand people and just to listen, the yellow personality. There are many times that the right answer, it takes creativity and organizations fail for lack of creativity. This is what we've always done. Yeah, but you know, things change, things are different. We're morphing all the time at Care Youth League. And then of course you gotta have the discipline. You gotta have that green disciplined personality that can faithfully, consistently, you know, do these kinds of things. And the and the trick to really the trick to to leadership is to when to deploy which leadership traits. When's the right time to step forward? When's the right time to kind of circle the wagons and work together? When are you out there saying, guys, we need some creativity. Who can we get in here? What can we do? Shake it up a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, so to me, that would, that would be, if anyone's listening, I would say, if you look at really great leaders, they were all of those categories and the wisdom to know when to deploy which one. So that'd be my... I'd like to say short answer, but that went a little longer than I'd hoped, but <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, again, you know, you think, and I'm referring to care youth league here, but you can pick any organization. You need red personalities yeah. in the organization. You got to have some discipline or nothing works. And there are times where you got to come up with a plan and make a decision. Like you were just saying, part of my job is to make sure the, you know, I, I said, and I started before executive director, I was the principal at Pearl Prep. And I said, if I really can do my job really, really well, uh, I will always get the right question before the right group in the right time. And I'll never have to make a decision. And I almost went seven years at Pearl Prep without doing it. If 
finally one day Mrs. Moore came into me and you know we went through fifth grade at that time and she was the fifth grade homeroom teacher and she said Mr. Martin we just have to have you come in here and and help us for graduation for the fifth grade class for that final lunch half the class has voted for hamburgers and half the class has voted for pizza we can't break the tie we have to have you make the call i think that was the only decision that i ever had to make as principal at pro prep was was it going to be pizza or was it going to be burgers that's a big and one though that's a huge that was huge that was huge. Oh. yeah so you know i think good leadership you try to get the right question in front of the right group um <laughs> and you try to do it in the right time because you like you mentioned sometimes you pull a trigger you don't know the right answer you don't make a judgment you make a decision and you move on yeah who, so, who are, there you who go some of your who are some uh, leaders throughout history, maybe that that you kind of look to? I mean, for me, uh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, uh, military side of things. I mean, he wasn't a popular, oh, wow. figure, but uh, George Patton was a guy I <laughs> I liked. Uh, I mean, again, no one, no leaders perfect. There, there, there are none out there. But uh, those are just some for me. Uh, oh, I wow. I look to a lot of coaches too, uh, and just you know, it could be anybody. I mean, maybe it's someone at Cary Youth League too. But uh, yeah, I man, I just. I never thought about it like that because you just kind of you see great things for so many different people. I I'm just gonna pun on that one. No worries, no worries. There's not any name that doesn't gravitate to the. I don't know. Other than obviously, you know, just to see what how. Uh, obviously, then the then the immaculate example of Jesus himself and what he did, um, and with those twelve and how he, you know, other than that, I don't have a really have a, any <laughs> no, name I can pick. No worries, um, no worries. It's yeah. fun to to bounce these things around. Sometimes I'm with a buddy, you know, Todd Carson, or you know, we talk about leadership and things of that nature, and I'm just like. Right you know, who I'd like to talk to is someone from his, you know, and, you know, you bring up different names, uh, Na Navy SEAL leaders, uh, former presidents, all kinds of people, because I can't imagine, I mean, I coached for a short time, a, a small group of kids. I can't imagine being a leader of these big organizations. Uh, but, but you're someone that has done that for quite some time now. And what can you tell me about your experience with uh, Pasadena city college and how you got involved in that over the years? Well, uh, it's interesting. I got involved um, thanks to Mr. Warren Weaver, who was on the board at the time. That's, um, you know, Leslie Orsburn's dad. Um, and he was on the board. And uh, an open seat where I was living in Temple City was available. And he knew I was kind of interested in politics. I had gone to PCC. But really, the heart of it was um, back when we were running all the Care Youth League tree lots, we had a business dealing with somebody we bought some trees from and he basically was crooking us. Um, it was just horrible what he was trying to do. And so when Mr. Weaver came to me and said, there's this opening, I'd like you to think about it. And I was 23 at the time thinking like, why would he be talking to me? And I was thinking like, I don't know that I'm the right fit for that. Um, you know, I'm only 23. I like politics, I love PCC. And then he mentioned, well, this guy is running and he's going to get the seat. 
And I said, man, if nobody else is running, I got to run against him. And so um, what ended up happening was the president of the Chamber of Commerce for Temple City at the time ended up also filing. And it was the last day and I had to decide to file or not or the last couple of days. And I was calling the president of the Chamber of Commerce trying to get him to talk to me because I wasn't going to file if he would talk to me and I could learn that he was a pretty decent chap because I didn't really know him. I wasn't going to file because I wasn't like I, I just wanted, I just didn't want the guy that cared usually to get it. That's all. So he, you know, I'm 23 year old. My job title is, you know, sport line worker for care youth league, you know, part time, <laughs> um, you know, living on, you know, 50 cents a day or whatever. He would never call me back. And, you know, who's, you know, who's this punk and, you know, he'd never call me back. So finally came to the last day and I filed and then I ended up winning and the rest is history. But you know, had he called me and just said, you know, I'm a great guy. we got to make sure this other guy doesn't get it. I'd like your help. I would have said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you, you know. So just one of those things. But I think God ordains these circumstances for us. So, you know, um, anyway, so they got me on it. So how long how long were you affiliated? You're still affiliated with the I'm college. Still on the board. It's been 41 years, I think. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, and at 23, were you, you were graduated already from college? I, I had, no, I didn't even have a bachelor's degree then. I graduated, left PCC. I was going to UCLA and Cal State LA. Can't remember which one at the time, <laughs> but, um, or maybe I was in between them, you know, yeah. I don't know. Um, no, I wasn't anybody to shake a stick yet. That's for sure. I was just <laughs> Kind of, and I remember we were printing the campaign photo, and somebody got the wise idea to take the negative because it was back when it wasn't digital, of course. <laughs> if you flip the picture of me back backwards, upside down, and printed it backwards, you know, I looked forty instead <laughs> of twenty-three, right? For some reason, when you flip the picture, so we flipped the picture so that when the printing went out, people saw my campaign photo. You know, they wouldn't think, "Oh, he's a twenty-three-year-old punk. Yeah. Why would we vote for him?" Yeah. So, so that that helped. So you're still affiliated in, in what way and what are some different positions maybe you've held uh, there with the college? Well, I've just been on the board the whole time. Okay. And, okay. you know, periodically when you're on the board, you become a board officer, which means you run the board meetings and you work more intimately with the superintendent president. And I've had uh, the privilege to be on the budget and audit committee for the board for a few decades. Wow. And I had the privilege to be on the facility committee for the board for the last few decades. And obviously, for the old timers that go back to my day at PCC when there wasn't the Robinson Stadium. And, you know, if you went down the wrong stairway, you bumped your head on a pipe that went across. And, <laughs> you know, there's been a total... Uh, you know, campus rejuvenation uh, since, you know, our days in the 70s. It's a totally different campus. It's just gorgeous. And we're working on the new master plan and the new re rejuvenation. And then just real quickly, um, obviously, one of my babies has been passing in City College Rosemead. And we've been at PCC Rosemead now for, I think, about seven years. And Regrettably, um, this was a beautiful facility. It was owned by the Almani School District, Almani High School District. And 
recently they've decided to take it back for adult ed and so there won't be a PCC Rosemead there but we are working to find a new location for PCC Rosemead because it's just been a it's just been a you know smashing success and saves a lot of people along drives and a lot of people that don't you know can't afford to own cars and get up there have a place to go that's close to our district so it's been really important to me and we're very very disappointed the Almani high school board's taking it back but you know we'll do what we can to try to replace it so, yeah, well, extension campus is uh, extension campus is great. If for nothing else, uh, for better parking, right? Uh, and which I know is always <laughs> always a challenge. Right, right. Uh, oh man, well, that was the, that was the thing. I mean, that was one of my mantras when I first got on the board to almost quote, you know, the former um, British uh, Prime Minister: "There will be parking in our time." So <laughs> we've since built two parking structures. Uh, and quite done quite a bit on parking, obviously, at PCC, because back in the day, that was pretty important. So there's been different issues through the decades. Um, but obviously, the community college is just, you know, a wonderful start for almost anyone because it's, you know, it's close, it's local, it's, you know, you can get almost get the first two years free. Um, it's just been special to me and so and to many. So anyway, that's so, the PCC side of me. Yeah, to, to be on two boards, Carrie Youth League, you know, youth organization for kids, nonprofit, and then you go to PCC, a, a college, a adult education, really. I mean, is there a big difference in kind of, you know, those board meetings and, and the different approach maybe? Because these are people that are passionate about, um, you know, college education versus uh, people that are passionate about a youth sports program. So do you kind of have to switch hats or is it kind of the okay, same? Um, well, so just for clarity, because I'm executive director, I report to the care youth league board. Oh, okay. And at PCC, the superintendent reports to us as a board. Um, so there are, it's, it's been a really, and, and even in my role at constitutional rights foundation, obviously they have a board. They have a board of about 60 to 70 of, of the most high-powered downtown LA attorneys you've ever met. So, um, you know, it's it's been a great experience to be able to participate in all these different organizations and intertwine good ideas and oh, yeah. make, you know, the way things operate. Obviously, we all follow Robert's Rule of Order. We all understand, you know, a, a, an individual board member really has no authority outside of the vote that he yep. has, where your superintendent or your executive director is supposed to be kind of moving the show. Um, and so in some ways, I kind of have, I hope, a history at PCC of being a pretty supportive of our superintendent president, whoever it is, um, as long as they're doing a really good job, of course, <laughs> because, um, you know, I'm kind of playing a similar role. So I understand that. And I understand what I'm not supposed to be getting my fingers into a PCC. And I try to stay out of it. So, you know, I, but there's, you know, getting to work with these board members for Constitutional Rights Foundation. Um, I will say that the current board at CARE Youth League is just, uh, um, it is, it is like there is no egos in that room. Mm. Every one of those 
board members and I rattle off their names just to get them on the air and I'm sure just on the fly in this one, but they really are a joy to work with. They are so dedicated. They are so concerned about the program. They so get it. They get the mission and they're not trying to, there's no egos. They're not worried about anything other than really what's best for these young people and running this organization. And we're really blessed to have the crew that we have on the board. Um, and I'd like to, I don't want to take the time rattling off all their names, but no, it's a, it's a good I'm very hands. grateful to them. It's in great hands for sure. Uh, yeah, I actually got to participate in being a board member of a uh, officiating association, a basketball officiating association for a few years. So I know what you mean when you talk about egos. Uh, sometimes when you're <laughs> not, it wasn't always the case. It's, it's much better. I'll say it this way when there aren't as many egos in a board or, or an organization like that, when you can just, Hey, let's have a conversation. Let's formulate ideas. Uh, Cause when there's too many egos, Oh man, that, that gets to be <laughs> really, really. Uh, and tough. you know, there's um there's a lot of superintendent presidents who say 25% of my job goes to care and feeding the board. <laughs> I try not, I try to be one that they don't have to care and feed. Yeah. You know, I prefer their time going to running a better institution. I'm not there to be care and fed. You know, I'm there for general guidance. I'm there to represent the community. You know, I'm there to advocate for a PCC and Rosemead, obviously, because that's part of my district. Uh, and I see what it's done for so many. But, you know, that's, and that's the way our board is. They, they require no care and feeding, but obviously when they come in with the ideas and the comments and the things and the direction they're giving us and it's good direction, you know, it's our job to work together and try to do it. And we are, um, we've launched our 5150 renewal campaign. And uh, obviously that's been a long time coming but there were several board members who in the meeting just said, you know, under, you know, new, new agenda items, new but old agenda items, you know, this part of the campus, you know, we've done all these great things, Cyber Center, blah, 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 but we got to do something here in the middle. And obviously the plan, if you haven't seen it, uh, Jimmy Hanna did a rendering and been part of our design committee. And it's just amazing what's going to be coming uh, you know, part of that's this art center that Mrs. Parker's been spearheading for us. It's done and just amazing where Caroline Hall's this new art center now. It's just gorgeous with mirrors and dance floor and, you know, all the arts. Uh, Mr. Mark Carson's been leading the charge on our fitness room renovation. And Mr. Robert Bray's just been in the middle of every step of the way that, um, Rio, current Rio dad, Mr. Scheffler has come in and just donated thousands of dollars of concrete work. It's going to be awesome. Oh, wow. And the final, you know, the final new turnaround right where the buses used to park, for those that remember that, <laughs> um, will now be this big turnaround where kids can go through a security gate and we're going to try to have those gates monitored so there'll be a little more security uh, during the campus day and a place for them to wait and new shelters and you know more trees more landscape and night lighting and it's going to be a different different place so you know a lot of that came because the care board said you know this needs to be a priority now oh yeah hang on let me eliminate that 
Uh oh. Okay. No worries. Wait, unless, unless it's President Biden, then I might have to. Get yeah, it. you got to take it. You got to take it. <laughs> Mr. John Martin, a man. No, uh, no, not this time. Not this time. Not the president. He's still not. He's still not. He still doesn't want to hear from me. Oh boy. <laughs> man, a busy man getting phone calls all over the okay, place. Okay, well, then we'll let it go. Yeah. No, I, I think th- it was. I think it was Marriott. They keep trying, no matter how many times they say no. <laughs> Uh, well, I think those are some amazing additions to Care and Rio. Uh, that sounds like, man, some some great uh, new groundbreaking. Yeah, you talk about the Stiver Center. Whatever you guys do, Mr. Martin, you got to make sure you keep the, that little basketball court there in front of uh, in front of those concession stands. That's where kids uh, learn, that's where kids <laughs> where, grow up and compete. I hate to tell you, we're not we're not keeping it, but we're moving it. We're okay. moving it on to field two. Okay. And we're going to do it all on concrete. So <laughs> it will be, it will be the same, but slightly moved and hopefully better. Okay. Young so, men, yeah. young men need those courts and young ladies. I mean, as there's, oh, uh, yeah. you know, no, I, that was the very first thing we heard life and death out there playing, yeah, we'll playing that. pickup games. Yeah. Come on now. Uh, that's awesome. The Especially fitness. on the eight and a half footers, right? The yeah. dunk, absolutely. Guys like me can touch the backboard. Gotta have, the <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have it. Priority top of the list. Uh, well, I, I I'm so excited to hear all those great things about uh, improvements for the organization and uh, Rio and care. Uh, absolutely headed in a great direction. You mentioned something briefly, uh, the Constitutional Rights Foundation. Uh, tell listeners what that is about and kind of your role there. Okay, well, Constitutional Rights, and we go by CRF for short. Um, they have a lot of programs. They're all centered around civic education for uh, you know middle school, high school for young people. They have a, a quarterly publication that goes out to thousands of people about the Bill of Rights in action where... It's uh, nonpartisan, tries to, you know, present a better democracy would be the simple answer of what we're trying to do. Their hallmark program is that they write and manage the mock trial program for the state of California. So uh, every year they write a case, which you've experienced if you've gone through Rio. And uh, um, I don't know how many thousands of schools, because every county, I think almost every county in California, um, runs their own mock trial using the case that we've written at CRF. And we run the LA County mock trial, which gets run out of the downtown courthouse, so in the non-COVID times, uh, so that students actually have a chance to be in court. You know, They play the role of attorney, they play the role of bailiff, they play witnesses. They play these different roles. It's a competition. So one time they're defending, one time they're prosecuting. And young people, both there's a middle school and a high school competition, so two different competitions. Uh, basically, the winners of all the counties come together for a state competition. And when CRF runs the state competition. Um, and that's different places in the state. Sometimes it's been in Riverside over by the Mission Inn at the convention center. Uh, more recently, it's now going to be scheduled for the downtown courthouses, but it's been in Sacramento and different places. Um, so we run that final state competition. And basically what we're showing, you know, young people that participate in this, because it's a, it's just like, you know, it's just like a basketball team or a football team. There's schools in Southern California that, that hang their mock trial championship banners. Um, but we're showing them how the legal system works as part of a better democracy. So um, 
the great program that they run, I have very little to do with other than, again, I'm kind of the finance guy behind it. Um, there, there's a board member who's technically the chief financial officer that I kind of work with very, very closely. We've been really blessed to have some great, great um, men and women doing those roles. I'm really high powered board um, that contribute a lot. So, um, and again, great experience for me that I get to bring back and share with care and take ideas around. And so, uh, but the mock trial program is kind of our hallmark program for the constitutional rights that most of the people can identify with. I remember uh, participating as a, as a kid, a junior high kid, I think, and I don't know if the high school does it more now, but that was a lot of fun. I mean, you learn legal terms, you learn, you know, the actual, how a courtroom works and uh, it just, uh, it, it was really fun to be a part of. And I think it's something it's, it's almost like, you know, you, you read textbooks and this and that uh, for different subjects, but to participate in something like that for kids, a very hands-on approach, I think it's very beneficial and hopefully something that continues for, uh, for quite some time. I know Rio's been doing it a real long time. I'll give you a really great story that combines Rio and constitutional rights with the mock trial. Um, there was, um, as you know, we have a very, you know, strong relationship with the first Mount Zion church in Dumfries, Virginia, outside of Washington, DC. And one of the highlights of our trips every year is to visit the Mount Zion church. And, um, you know, many times besides the great, you know, fried chicken that they would give us. Um, many times our members would stay in homes of the families of the church. Well, we got a call one day from uh, the church and one of its members had been accused of a crime. And the crime had allegedly occurred at the same time that our trip was at Mount Zion and some of our members we're staying in the home of the person who was alleged to be involved in this crime. And this was an attorney for the defense of this church member of Mount Zion asking if they could um, pay some students to fly back to Mount Zion and give a deposition that they were in this house and what they saw and what they did while they were there as part of the defense of this. And obviously they'd be chaperoned by an adult teacher. So when, and I don't remember, it might've been Mrs. Dowd at the time as principal, I don't remember Mrs. Orchburn, but when, when we went to talk to the parents of the young people about this situation, the parents and the young people, and I think they were even middle school, uh, said, oh, we understand exactly what you're talking about. We were all in mock trial. We know what you're talking about. You need a witness and we need to give this deposition and tell them what we saw. Sure, no problem. As long as obviously they're with an adult chaperone from Rio and they flew back, gave their deposition and came back and understood it perfectly and didn't have any problem as part of that defense. And that was because they had experienced it with mock trial. Wow, really? So that puts two of my worlds together. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. That's a very unique experience. Oh, this is just like, just like mock trial. Not exactly. Yeah. Little, little real. <laughs> a little <laughs> more real. Oh, I love the Mount Zion. Uh, Tina Coates, we stayed with her. She's a big leader over there. And uh, yeah, just it's wonderful, so, wonderful. 
Great. remarkable people that are so God giving to uh carry league and Rio Hondo prep when we visit. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Where was I? Uh, okay. couple things, Mr. Martin that were well, semi-connected to, I, at least my memories of you. Um, first of all, my first carry youth league game was a football game in Arcadia and we played uh, the Indian Braves, the you know, team you were coaching. I showed up um, for my game afternoon, whatever. And I saw the Gators and Indian playing each other. And I was like, I must be late. I was a second grader. So I go out onto the field. I sit on the bench. My coach is Mr. Boyer. He was like, you know, it, it took, it took a few minutes, but I just went and sat on the bench and then realized, Oh, there's different age groups. This wasn't my game, but uh, you were coaching the first game I ever played in, in carry youth league, a little bit of trivia there. I know way back when, uh, what would that have been? 1992 we'll say, Oh my, it's been like 29 years anyway. Um, but I remember that. And then you worked at Minuteman transport or still do as a CFO there. And I was working there briefly. And I, I one of my big responsibilities, you know, it's a big company. Uh, big responsibility though, was, was getting the workers lunch. I mean, you didn't want to mess up orders and, uh, <laughs> and the John Martin special was a six inch, a uh, subway turkey wheat i can't remember it all but you're the same the same order wow, every single what day. A memory. yeah <laughs> the same wow. order are you still eating the same turkey sandwich every day uh no i've i've tried to drift i've drifted away from subway though i'm still on a pretty mediterranean diet but not so much subway every so, time uh, I, well to be honest i have my wife leftovers every day at lunch and it doesn't get any better than that oh so. that's way better they're yeah. better than, they're better for lunch than they are for dinner the next day so. oh john martin the six inch so, but you, you know you bring up something or you bring up some point that i'm really rather proud of matt and okay. you know i don't have a lot to be proud of but this is one of them there's very few people that can claim what i can claim so when I first started coaching at Care Youth League, you know, I worked with junior high and that back then it was like seventh and eighth grade. I think I did it for a year. And then I was told by the leadership, I know I'm a college kid, Arch Lay, right? We call it um, that the next year, instead of seventh and eighth, they wanted me down in the, in the fifth and sixth. So, and then I did that for a year, maybe two part of Arch Lay, And they said, okay, now, we think you might be better with the fourth graders. And, you know, I ended, I ended my career at Care Youth League with the last 10 years of coaching, at least maybe more, I can't count, you know, coaching the kindergartners, right? I mean, there isn't many people that have successfully worked their way down <laughs> the coaching ranks the way I have successfully done it to get to the last 10 years where, you know, they finally said to me, you know, the seven-year-olds, yeah, okay, maybe you ought to try the kindergarten, you yeah. know, so, but that's my claim to fame. I've worked my way year by year, step by step, grade by grade, all the way down, and I'm, I'm just proud of it, so there you go, that's my story, so hey, hey, I must you have been in my prime when you came um, to that first grade or whatever grade it was mm -hmm. uh, game, but Hey, coaching kindergartners is, is no joke. That is, uh, that is tough. I mean, they take what you say literally. And sometimes I was coaching a kindergartner one time and, uh, he said, I said, we're, we're during ground balls, right? Uh, he, baseball. And I rolled the ground ball and he, he couldn't, he wouldn't put his glove all the way down on the ground. I finally said, Hey, put your glove, no, put your glove on the ground. And he looked at me for a second and he dropped his glove and put it on the ground. And I go, <laughs> 
Oh, okay. This is, this is one of my favorite <laughs> coaching moments of all time. You gotta be. Well, I, so I had to let you in. I'll let you in on a secret. This is the, this is what we call the fifth grade, you know, kindergarten coaching rule. <clears throat> it's a code of honor amongst carry athlete coaches. It doesn't really matter what you do, but the one thing you can't do is bring Oreo cookies or M&Ms and put it on the opponent's bench. <laughs> Cardinal rule. You don't put anything like that on the opponent's bench. That's just not fair. That's mm -hmm. not playing fair. So we try not to do that. We try to maybe have snack for our own team after the game, but you can't, you can't drop anything like that over on the opponent's bench. <laughs> so game over. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I, okay. So in care youth, like care youth church, you know, they rotate speakers. Maybe it's a little different now, but uh, I got to tell you, Mr. Martin, uh, anytime I saw, I opened the first thing you get to youth church, you open the program. The very first thing you look at who's speaking today, is this going to be a long one? Oh, good, it's Mr. <laughs> Martin. Yes. So you, Chris Horton, Ken Drain, um, you guys are definitely my top three of favorite church speakers. And speaking of M&Ms, I, again, I don't know why I remember some of the things I do. You did one message with M&Ms. Maybe that was a kid one. Uh, you dressed up as a pirate, I think, uh, at some point. And, <laughs> and then you did another great message, again, with, with candy. You knew how to reach people. Uh, something regarding, uh, it was a vegetable bag where you had yeah, to choose. Bag veggies. of broccoli and the chocolate and the Hershey bars. Yes, and you we flipped them. We put the Hershey bars in the bag of broccoli and the Hershey bars were empty. <laughs> <laughs> and let them pick what they wanted after we talked to them about how it's important make to the right decision, you know, yeah. make, you know, the right decision, even if, you know, one of those now or later kind of things. And if they picked the broccoli, they ended up with a Hershey bar. And if you pick the Hershey bar, you end up with a wrapper. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, absolutely. Most of them I don't, but that one I do. How did you, how did you come up with, with uh, church speaking in church ideas? Um, uh, I remember oh, you yeah. also, you spilled your water one time right at the beginning and then you just recovered. You're like, well, here we go. Like, I remember that happening. I don't know why, but I do. Um, how did you come up with some of your, your speaking in church ideas? Cause I thought I, you had some great ones. Well, obviously, I mean, I, and I don't speak in church anymore, Matt. <laughs> oh, not anymore. So, okay. Um, but you know, I think any, all the church speakers, you just pray and ask God to kind of lead you what's important. Maybe you see something in somebody that you're concerned about, or you in yourself that you're working on, that God's working with you on. I know the last few messages I gave, they were all really more to giving to myself. You know, this is what, where God's working with me right now. Um, and then obviously when I'm working with the five-year-olds as much as I am, you're always trying to figure out a way to bring it home. Uh, you know, I, I still think part of the best time at care youth church today is the children's message. And, mm. you know, Mr. Horton last Sunday was just brilliant, you know, and he's, he had his coat on and the idea was, you know, well, this, the, you know, he had the idea of, Oh, well, I need to change my life. I need to change, you know, the coat and he gets another coat and he puts it over it and another coat and he puts it over it, and another coat. And he, puts, and he goes, what's wrong with this? You know, <laughs> well, there's something you got to shed, you know, there's a part of the Christian experience. It's something you got to shed. So it was, it was, you know, those are to me the best part, but anyway, oh, well, I think I... like the speakers today, you just, they pray and let God lead them and yeah, sure appreciate it. Mr. Horton's obviously our main pastor and, 
people don't get a chance to come or watch him online, it was, he's just, you know, obviously God is working in his life. And we thought there'd never be another Mr. Hampton. We had Mr. Oscar and we thought there'd never be another Mr. Oscar and we have Mr. Horton. So we're very fortunate. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Always appreciate in, uh, in all seriousness, always appreciated your messages. Um, and, and with those children's messages, you know, a lot of times those are, those are pretty good for adults too. If we're honest, I mean, you yeah. know, they're <laughs> simple and to the point, and sometimes it speaks to us adults too. So, uh, outstanding yeah. stuff. Um, let me see here. Okay. Let's go back a little bit. We've talked about a lot of present day stuff or recent history. Let's go back a ways to your beginning in Cary Youth League. How did you stumble upon 5150 Farna Avenue and uh, maybe it's Boys Christian <laughs> Okay, League. so um, my mom worked for a dentist and the, the dentist, uh, his children were in. So she heard about it. And uh, because she worked, I spent all my afternoons at Bob Young's house with, Mr. Mrs., with Mrs. Young looking after us. And so uh, obviously my mom talked to Mrs. Young and one day Mrs. Young took uh, Bob Young and I down to Care Youth League. And um, so we were Bobby and Johnny and Mr. Johnson was our coach, Mr. Randall Johnson. So, you know, obviously one of the greatest coaches in world mm -hmm. history, yeah. not to mention Care Youth League history or anyplace else. And uh, so that was just, you know, an awesome experience. And it took him about a week or two to figure out which one of us was Bobby and which one was Johnny. But, you know, that happens still today. Right. So um, but, uh, you know, I had never really played any sports and never really did anything. Um, and my very first baseball game, we're playing Arrowhead and he loans us the, the old flannel uniforms, you know. Um, and I remember I went the pitcher was like the the closest thing to putting the ball on the tee i mean it was just like perfectly lobbing them in and i got three hits to the outfield i think a, two doubles and a triple and stole a bunch of bases and you know mr johnson thought he had found the natural <laughs> and i never played <clears throat> totally beginner's luck the next week we're playing crystal and the pitcher was a gentleman named Clyde Christensen. And Clyde Christensen, I can still picture him on the mound today. And he had this hat, reminds me of almost Craig Klingman when he pitched. He was just like Craig Klingman. He was, he just threw bullets. And I got, and Mr. Johnson had moved me from wherever I was at the end of the order to the second batter. Cause you know, I went three for three and he thought he had the natural. I didn't touch the ball three times up. I never touched the ball. I struck out twice. I think I may have walked once. Never touched it. Never saw it. Clyde was throwing bullets. And then Mr. Johnson had a reality check. You know, okay, he's human. This is just whatever. You know, he's just. Now, this is my story for you. I don't You should be interviewing Clyde Christensen. Because Clyde ends it up um, going on and. Um, last year, Clyde Christensen was the quarterback coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> obviously coached. So he coached Tom Brady mm -hmm. last year to the Super Bowl championship. So he really should be on your show because, you know, Clyde is the only person on the planet. Now, there's a lot of people on the planet that can brag about striking out John Martin twice in a single day. 
but there's not a lot of people on the planet that can brag about striking out John Martin twice on a single day and coaching Tom Brady. That's right. Absolutely. The resume, I mean, come on, nobody else has that. Nobody. I tell you, he's got a story to tell. <laughs> we got to so, reach out and get him on. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you do that. You reach out to Tampa Bay. Tell him John Martin is still upset about that third grade game back whenever it was. Maybe we'll line it up. See if, see if he still got it and you still got it. Maybe I'm we'll... sure he still got it. <laughs> and I'm sure I got what i had back then right that is awesome yeah former boys christian just for the record i think my lifetime batting average was a buck 25 i don't know oh boy well except for on the summer trips there was something about on a summer trip with mr hampton i seem to be able to hit a ball but if i wasn't on a summer trip yeah Yeah. i'm in a good time i don't know when i wasn't on a summer trip i couldn't i didn't know uh that's crazy a boy former boys christian league member is was the quarterback coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Outstanding. Uh, very, yeah. yeah. I love hearing he stories. He still remembers like BCL. Oh, yeah. that's, that's fantastic, man. So there's a yeah. chance. There's a chance. He's told Tom Brady this story, Mr. Martin. There's a chance. I, yes, I never thought about that. You know, he hey. probably said, yeah, you ought to listen to me. I struck out John Martin twice <laughs> in a single day. Seven Super Bowl champions after that. Yeah, uh, that is fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely, I guarantee you. He told you know life was tough until I struck out John Martin twice, and then uh, now I'm coaching then, you. You know, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> That's a yeah. great story. No, I, there's probably a there's probably quite a few other people that can make that John Martin part. Oh boy, but, but not anyway. Not a quarterback, but not with Tom Brady. No, that is great. Uh, so excellent story, care there. So um, now when you were Real Hondo Prep, didn't it start in, I think, the late 60s? So was kind of the whole origin still kind of new as far as Carey Youth League guys? Uh, we were, yeah, when I started in seventh grade, we were, you know, pretty established. Um, it wasn't quite like that. Okay, so when you went to Rio, it was still, I mean, it was still a pretty new school, right? In the seventies, it's fairly new, but it wasn't like I was on you know, any of the pioneering classes or anything, you know? Yeah. Okay. So you played football, well, you played, you know, other sports as well, but uh, I, I talk about real Hondo prep football quite a bit on this program and uh, the, the history of it and the tradition and everything uh, you uh, have, again, kind of a bit bit of trivia here you were on the very first team to play in a championship game in 1972 and then you came back the next year and you were on the very first cif championship football team in real hondo prep history in 73 so what can you tell me we're going to talk a little football here for a while but uh were, were you a football guy did you love football did you dislike it what was it like playing real oh, football? i love football yeah oh i love football yeah, football has always been one of my favorite sports. Um, and I didn't, you know, when I was younger, I was a pretty normal sized kid. I didn't realize till I was a junior, maybe in my senior year, how small I was. Uh, but, you know, back then we were playing six man, so it didn't really matter. Um, so um, in 72, you know, we lost a brethren in that championship game. Um, we had... Uh, tied them in the regular season and in the championship game we scored as many touchdowns as they did uh, but they made their extra points Mm. 
And so uh, three of us, uh, Tom Fowler, Steve Tuttle, and I said, you know, we lost championship because they made extra points and we didn't because back then six man, you got a two points on your extra, the extra points were two points and six man. So the next year, uh, Tom centered and I held and Steve Tuttle was our kicker. And we started that summer on the summer trips. And every day we practiced kicking every single day during school. Every day we would go out at lunch and just kick and kick and kick and kick. And, you know, Tom just kept practicing the snap and I just kept trying to get the hold and Steve was doing the the kicking and we said, we are not going to lose it by our extra points this year. Wow. And that was a, a pretty important decision. Um, interesting little story that probably nobody but Mr. Philip Oscar will ever, you know, kind of knows or remembers the we were playing brethren, it's going back and forth. And I remember getting the short pass and breaking for the touchdown uh, with time running out at the end of the first half. And I remember seeing the end zone line and there were two brethren guys kind of sandwiching me coming at me. So there wasn't anywhere to go. And I remember thrusting for the goal line and sticking the ball out like you do, you know, reaching for the goal line right when they both hit me. (laughs) And I thought I had it. I mean, the ball went over the line. There's no question. The ball was over the line when I came down. The question, of course, as you know, as an official is when did the knee touch? Where was the ball? Blah, blah, blah. And I remember looking up down the goal line because I the ball was in the end zone. I'm looking down the goal line and I saw Mr. Philip Ostergaard standing right there. And I thought, you know, last play of the half, um, I thought like, yeah. And then they said, no, it was on the, you know, one foot line or something like that. So we didn't score the touchdown at the end of the half and ended up scoring as many touchdowns and losing it on the extra points to them. And Mr. Phil Bossigar came up to me later and just said, you were so in, you were so in. <laughs> and so, you know, I always remember that story of that game that you know most people probably wouldn't realize or remember how close some of these things are oh yeah obviously the next year you know we had a really great team and steve hershey jim parker a lot of great guys and um pretty much just you know ran the table um so uh but we steve tom and i made sure we were not going to lose on kicking and I love, uh, I love that. every day, every day like coming we back, started, we, we started, not- I, we may have started in basketball season right after that <laughs> saying every day we are going to do this and we are not going to lose on kicking next snap, year. hold, so, kick. Yeah. That's, yeah. I love that attitude. We're not letting this happen again. And you know, right. Mr. Martin, I just figured I knew there was something about us. You know, you and I, we have something in common CIF champion holders. For- <laughs> there you go. I mean, huge <laughs> position, you yeah. know, Hey, it, it's not as easy as it looks. Um, <laughs> if you mess it up, you're, you know, you're the, you know, no, yeah, one, no one loves yeah. you. So uh, no glory. Everyone sees the snap and the kick, but the hold is kind of yeah. you know, lost in the wash there. So, Hey, and I, hey, you know, uh, to this day, to this day, a lot of my job 
is just trying to be the go-between between the snapper and the kicker, right? That's it. It all comes full circle. You I just try that. to you try to get a good snapper with a good kicker and let them work together, and your job is just to help them make it work. <laughs> you could use that analogy for almost anything. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk talk to me about uh, about your teammates um, in '72, uh, and I might mix up mix up the classes, but I, yeah. I believe um, Steve Martin, Chris Horton, uh, Casey Clevenger kind of the guys I would know they were yeah. seniors, I believe, right. On that 72. Yeah, we had a uh, Jim struck on that team, Ken Koopman, Ridwan Dunya. Uh, those were all the seniors. I may have missed one. Um, and then my fellow classmates, Oscar Alvin, Steve Hershey. Um, I think Joe Cox was a year below us in playing up. Um, well, no, not the, that was the 70, that was 73, 74. Um, in 72. Yeah. So we were, I was with, um, I was, you know, those were just the, that group. And, you know, to this day, uh, we 55s, we call ourselves the 55s because most of us were born in 55. Charlie Parsons, big part of that. Um, to this day, we 55 still get together for birthdays. So that group, all of us born in 55, Charlie and I were born in December of 55. So we were behind a year, but we're part of the 55 club, Uh, you know, and there was one time we went out for birthdays and it was on Rinwan Dunya's birthday. And obviously Rinwan doesn't get to join us as much because he's not as local. Um, But I remember we called him on his birthday and we were sitting there at Outback together and called Ridwan. And so there's still that pretty good camaraderie there. There's some really great guys. Um, You know, I could talk worlds about about them all. Um, Casey Clevenger in particular, you know, he was our center and he was our middle linebacker. And if you know Mr. Casey Clevenger, you know he's not a very big guy, and he wasn't a very big guy back then. And we we had you know the Steve Martin scramble, the you know like just like Steve Hershey, Jim Parker the next year, spread everybody out. We we had two plays: spread left, spread right. I mean, it was like you know half either the ends went out or they went across, and that was all we did. It was like P1, P2. You know, I think we were called P1 and P6, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter what you do. The object was get the ball to Steve, everybody spread out, and there's no way in the world one guy is going to tackle Steve Martin. And if they put two guys on him, whoever comes on him, Steve will throw him the ball, and we go. And that, that was basically the entire offense, and it wasn't anything more complicated than that. And if you had Steve Martin, it worked. Um, but Casey was the middle linebacker, and some of the other teams, when we played Brethren, these were big dudes. We played Ambassador these were really, really big guys. And uh, Whittier Christian at the time had this big runner, you know, 250 North power fullback. And they're there, though we were spread and dance around everybody and play the spread game. Everybody else was playing power football. Mm. And they were just sending these big blockers and these big power runners over Casey Clevenger play after play after play. And, you know, here he is, you know, 5'7", 150 pounds or something, making tackle after tackle after tackle. He's just getting pounded into the ground. He's turning right around, playing center on offense. No one ever, you know, didn't go out or anything to rest. And he gets back up in middle linebacker. 
and he's doing it again and again and again. And you know, there there was a grit in 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 these guys that um, to this day uh, you see what this has made them the men that they are. Um, you know, Steve Martin had a, a separated shoulder and he had special pads underneath his shoulder pads. And he's still out there running around because he was the basic, you know, he was the core of the team. Nobody, no one person could catch Steve, but, you know, he only had one arm. And fortunately, I think it may have been his left shoulder, whatever from a, in, anyway, they're just amazing people to play with. Um, I can remember, I can remember practice one time. I caught a pass and I'm running and I saw Jim Struck. And we went head to head, or maybe he, no, he was running at me and we went head to head to make the tackle. And I said, I'm going to get this guy. And, you know, Jim was a big guy. And I remember he bounced me about 10 yards. <laughs> I think I hit him square with a shoulder pad and he took me 10 yards down the field on a bounce. And, and Casey came up to me afterwards and said, you know, you're, you're everybody's favorite tackling dummy. <laughs> Cause you just fly when we hit you. <laughs> I think I was about 129 at the time, you know, 129. And so, uh, yeah, everybody enjoyed tackling me because um, I was not very beefy. Oh, but boy. they're a great group. Um, my claim to fame in real history was I have a 100% passing career. I don't know if you know that. Oh, what is that? Every pass I've ever thrown in my high school varsity career was complete. Oh, okay. And not only was every pass I ever threw complete, every pass I ever threw made a touchdown. Touchdown. How many? How many are we talking? Uh, I 10, threw 12? one to Ken one. Koopman in the end zone. <laughs> one for one. Yeah. I shocked against Pasadena and Polly. Shocked them out of their minds. They had no, they probably had a scouting report. Because he fakes the pass all the time, always keeps them back. So it gives you five yards before they get to you because you're faking the pass. I'd be 10 yards down the field. You fake the pass. Ten dart, you know, pass the line of scrimmage. You can fake the pass, and the guys slow down and stop. Yeah. You know, you know, it works. I don't know. It, that looks stupid, but it worked. Hey. Anyway, so no one would ever think I threw it. And then one time against Polly, I don't know what happened. I just threw it, and Koopman caught it in the end zone. And anyway, so that that put me in real Hall of Fame history because of you know I got 100% passing career. Who can beat that? I love it. Oh, I hear yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I try not to mention that there was only one. If you could. Edit that part out. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, hundred percent touchdown. Completion. Don't mention I only threw one. <laughs> sure thing. Um, you know, I, you mentioned Casey Clevenger, tough as nails. Steve Martin, uh, you know, very talented. I've heard great things about him in, in playing. Uh, you mentioned uh, Charlie Parsons. I think for most of us kids, the nicest human being on the planet, especially at Mount right. Care. Uh, but the Mister Lindemann. Jay Lindman was a big part of it, and Steve Tuttle, of course. Tuttle, yeah, I've heard Tuttle. He was our middle linebacker, name. and talk about, you know, next year when Casey was a middle linebacker, Steve. Mm -hmm. And Jay Lindman, another great guy. Stepping in, yeah. Well, well, talk to me about Pastor Chris Horden. Uh, did, did he despise football as much as he says he did? Or do you think secretly he liked it? I always tease him about it. I don't it. think – I think he despises it about as much <laughs> – yeah, and you know, and this is what you got to say about Chris. You know, he really did not want to do it, and yet he could. He was like the he was like our all too uh, you know our utility man. 
Mm -hmm. Anybody, anybody got hurt anywhere, anything went wrong, Chris filled in and could do it. Yeah. He didn't want to, but he could. He could do the quarterback for Steve if he had to. He could do center for Casey if he had to. That same brethren game, I went out. He took my spot. Um, he could do everything and anything, uh, but he just didn't really want to. But any probably could do it like mine as good as I did for sure, you know. Mm -hmm. He just didn't want to, you know, but yeah, he pretty much wasn't a big football guy, but he would do whatever he was asked to do mm -hmm. and he did it really, really well. So, but you had to kind of, you know, yank him out there. <laughs> Mr. Dad had to yank him out there to get him out there. Oh, it was fun it's chatting pretty with amazing him. once he was out there. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. You can do this. That's uh, great. It's a great sport. Yeah. It gets, uh, you know, pain, pain and suffering and all that. Um, uh, very cool stuff. I mean, you sounds like you had a great experience with those guys uh, in your, in your, your class or just above you playing experience at Rio, the 55s. Uh, I think that's awesome. Uh, the birthday celebrations. And now it's gotta be cool for you to see to, well, how should I say this to continue your, your friendships uh, now into your later years uh, after high school, you know, all these years later, not everyone does that. Some people say they will, but I think it's really cool to see the, the, the sincerity of the friendships now that you've carried with you all these years. Yeah. Again, I feel really fortunate. The young, these men that I got to grow up with. Um, if you, you know, I'm just, I, I can't name them all, but I'm just going to say, you know, you look at how God has, Bless so many people through Mr. Horton and his pastoral leadership. You look at Steve Martin and, you know, God has really put some challenging experiences in his life. I can't think of any greater spiritual testimony to a statement of faith than to be married to one of the most beautiful spiritual women in the world and to lose her at such a young age with four children and raise those four children and retain a faith in God through that experience that says, I know God has what's best for my life, for my children, and I nobody can comprehend this. And yet that was the Steve Martin that I got to witness. Um, I mentioned Casey Clevenger, and there is no more giving person on the entire planet. Uh, what he does, you know, he's this amazing IT guy. He's also our mock trial coach, you know, mock trial leader at Rio. He runs music. He runs sound. He teaches history. He just gives and gives and gives. He's had a lot of physical issues, you know, ever since we can remember back in his asthma days. And here he is with asthma and can hardly breathe. And he's out at 2 a.m. flocking trees at our Christmas tree lots. Just this testimony, uh, this pillar testimony. Uh, you look at Mr. Parsons and uh, we've kind of celebrated a little bit last Monday, a, a monumentous moment at Care Youth League when Mr. Bill Lee became our new um, Mount Care director and Mr. Charles Parsons, who's been the director at Mount Care for decades, I can't think how long, um, is now going to be the assistant director. Obviously we're in really good hands there with, a, <laughs> with, the, with the major um, and, but, you know, what Mr. Parsons has done at Mount Care, 
both the program, I mean, obviously the facility and, you know, going from, I tell people back when we went to Mount Care, you know, the smell of the, of the outhouse just, you know, floated up to the, to your bunks. And every night, middle of the night, you'd hear that door, you know, that squeaky door go, and somebody else goes in and goes, you know, looking at that flashlight down in that outhouse toilet, shining up at you with that light on, wondering, I wonder whose flashlight that is. You know, all that thing. But, you know, today we have etched glass on the dining room halls, you know, showers and flush toilets and bunk rooms. And we're having family camps this year up in Mount Care oh, yeah. because of this COVID situation. You know, it's going to be more family camps. We're really excited about that. Mr. Lee, all the different things that are going on there, these beautiful A-frames he's done, all the beautiful things he's done. Obviously, his wife, uh, you know, Diane's been a big part of it. Um, these were the guys that I got to grow up with. These were the guys that, you know, when we... When Mr. Ark said you're drinking three glasses of milk and eating green vegetable every day and jumping rope, you know, we were out there at, in our backyards together at 10 p.m. trying to get our third glass of milk down while somebody else is timing their jump rope and somebody else is microwaving peas or something to get the green vegetable in and keeping each other on task. And, you know, there was a there was a camaraderie, but it all had a central we really wanted to be. We really wanted to be godly young men. We wanted to live right. We checked each other. We call each other into question. I can remember the time we had to do this jump roping thing and Casey was sick. You know, again, he's asthmatic, right? And he goes, I can't breathe. I'm not feeling well. I think I'm sick. And I'm going, oh, Casey, you've got to do three minutes of jump roping three different times. I don't care. This is your responsibility. You have to do it. And he's out there in my backyard because I can remember the spot. And it turns out the next day he ends up in the hospital with pneumonia because he had pneumonia. And no, no, but I'm his friend. I'm out there. But Casey, <laughs> you have to do it. This is our task. This is what we do. It's the right thing. You know, that we had that camaraderie as a group that we really wanted to, we really wanted to live godly lives. We wanted to do it right. It wasn't easy. We weren't perfect. Uh, we got into trouble. We did mischief. Yeah, okay. But, um, you know, that's the that's the guys I got to grow up with and still get to be friends with today. And um, I just wish everybody could have that because that was just what really held me together. Mm. So I can't say enough. And yeah, I can I can remember the crazy Monopoly parties with Roger McNichols and some of the other guys at my house, you know, we're up till three in the morning playing Monopoly and, you know, and if Roger McNichols was the funniest guy on the planet. So, you know, we weren't, it wasn't like we were angels or anything, um, but there was a fundamental pillar underneath it that sure. this is really what we wanted. Oh yeah. That's uh, we should all be so fortunate to have friendships like that that wish. last really a lifetime. Wish. And uh, I know I'm, I'm fortunate to be close with a few of my friends from growing up and, yeah, that's one of the best things about care in Rio is is uh, establishing those friendships early and uh, going on through life. Well, um, kind of as we get around third here, uh, let me ask you, what is the future for Care Youthly? You mentioned some of the great oh, additions, wow. but but what where do you foresee as a future for Care Youthly? Oh, the future is I'm, now, of I'm course. Really excited about it. Uh, and actually, this was I tried to make this comment Monday night at our all leaders meeting. Um, because what I'm excited about 
is we have um, we have a lot of depth in in the leadership of Care Youth League as um, as we move into the next generation. So you may or not you may uh, you know we had some retirements. Um, you know, recently at Care Youth League, and yet there's, there's, uh, you know, I'm going to call them younger leaders because they're younger than me. That doesn't, I don't know if they consider themselves young anymore, but they seem young to me and even younger leaders than that. We, we, you know, we've worked hard over the last decade or two to keep hiring new younger leaders so that there's kind of a lineup going through the system uh, for the next generation of both directors and leaders at Care Youth League. Um, so we're investing in all three of our centers. Um, we're trying to beef up our support for Wingate Park a little more this year, hiring some more, uh, some more help. Uh, obviously, Care Park has just been a sensational place. Um, it's just beautiful. I mean, you can just handle so many people and you don't have to have five people on parking just to find the one last parking spot or anything. It's just, you know, well-designed. Um, and the Upland program has been sensational. Um, obviously, Mr. Dave Carson Jr. out there with the Upland Youth Church and Kyle Corral's leading all of that. And the leadership they have out there is the most incredible leadership in Care Youth League. I mean, you know, Mrs. Uh, Pauline, Murphy is just, you know, everybody's, per, you know, the absolute, he doesn't get any better than being on her team unless you're with Mr. Randall Johnson in Indiana in 63 or something. I mean, it's like, you know, they just, across the board, there's great young people. Mr. Ty Loomis is taking over as our running care park. And, uh, you know, he's pretty, I call him relatively young, <clears throat> but he knows the care work ethic, you know, he's not afraid to work. He's, he knows how to deal with people. He's a very, very talented young man. I think God's working in his life. I can say that just pick, pick a spot at care youth league. And there's somebody young that I can see coming in. Um, and so I am, I'm really very optimistic about care youth. League. I'm excited to get the center renewal project done. Um, you know, the uh, 5150 campus, more real Hondo now than Care Youth League, but still Care Youth League, mm -hmm. um, really will have an appearance about it that it's never really ever had, you know, since the pigs ran through back in <laughs> the 50s or whatever. Um, you know, like I said, we designed, care, we, you know, we were given an opportunity to design Care Park the way we wanted it. And we started with, you know, Philippians 4.8, you know, whatever's good, whatever's right, whatever's honest, whatever's pure. How do we create a, a, a campus for young people that when you're here, just makes you feel like you want to do what's right. Mm -hmm. And we actually started with that as our kind of our biblical center so that we designed that park so that, you know, a parent can almost sit right at that tree in the middle and look out on all four fields and see the restroom, see the playground, see the basketball courts, everything you need to see, you can see from right here. You can watch two games at once. And there's all these fields and yet, you know, it's just this feeling about it, looking over the, the majesty of the dam and the beautiful Sangerville mountains. So we've been very, very blessed. God's been very good to us. 
there's always challenges. Of course, we have challenges. Mm-hmm. The care leadership gets paid, you know, squat. They've always got paid squat. We try to give them squat plus change now. Uh, we're always trying to see if we can improve our revenues, maybe get some more donations to try to give them squat plus change plus a dollar, you know, um, that's life. And, you know, anytime we have an issue and you take it to the leadership and, okay, we have this financial issue, you know, these are the most underpaid people on the planet. And you, and you go in, well, we've got this financial issue, you know, anybody have an idea what we can do about it? Well, we can all take a pay cut. And I'm like going, no, that's not an option, people. You're already underpaid. You can't take a pay cut, okay? Because it's like, yeah, just just take it off of us. And, you know, care leaders all the time are saying, oh, this kid can't, you know, can't afford to come or he can't do this. So can can I pay for him? Can I do this? You know, just can you take it out of my check? Um, you know, really just – it's just this opposite problem where it's the administrator. I'm kind of saying, no, yeah. no, you have to take the money. You know, <laughs> I know you're doing two other jobs because this is your job and you can't afford, but we really only want you to only do two other jobs. We don't want you to have to do three, you know, so we need you. So this is the kind of, you know, spirit that we work with. It's just so different, but it's, it's, it's just, so I'm very optimistic about the future and i'm optimistic because of the young leaders that we have the tremendous group of rhla that we have uh which is our college program for those that don't follow real hundred leadership academy is what it's called um and the recent rhla graduates who have stepped into leadership who i think you know they're still in their 20s so i think of them as being very very young (laughs) and yet obviously these are mature adults doing a really great work for Christ. So I think we've got a positive future ahead of us. There's not a better organization, better group of people than uh, Care Youth League Real Hondo Prep. Uh, The future is now as uh, the motto is, or their future is now. So uh, excellent. Happy to hear all that information. Um, Mr. Martin, this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to sit down with (laughs) me uh, here to talk about. uh, Oh, excellent. Mr. Martin, this is okay. And all this is all kind of a joking, kidding thing to end end the uh, the show here. Does anyone ever? Do you know who Tim okay. Kirchin is? Has anyone ever told you you look like Tim Kirchin or sound like him? Um, yeah, I have. I've heard that before from one or two people, and I've never. Um, I think maybe one time I might have seen him. <laughs> He's on uh, yeah baseball on TV, maybe once on ESPN. Yeah. I, every time yeah. I see him, I think of you. Well. It's working for him. I'm happy. So uh, good luck, Tim. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And, you know, if you ever have a sick day and you need a, you know, you need to fill in, I'm here. You, can you know what? Me. I Absolutely. But I don't know that I can handle what you're doing. No. Well, well I think that people t- probably tell him he looks like John Martin. That's there what, you go. That's what happened. Did he, did he ever tell you you look like John Martin? <laughs> he probably says, which one? Yeah. How many John Martins there are? Well, the one that got struck out uh, two times by Tom Brady's quarterback coach, that one. That's oh. right. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everybody gets struck out twice by Tom Brady's quarterback coach. That's right. <laughs> oh, that John Martin. Yeah. The oh. famous one. Yeah. Tim Kirchin. I mean, uh, Mr. John Martin, thank you so thank much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Happy. Happy to do it.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the Get Home Safe Podcast. Anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like Apple, Spotify, Google, and many more. We also have a YouTube channel that is brand new for us. Not a whole lot of content on there yet, but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward, as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time. So lots of options out there, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, offer uh, some suggestions or content uh, topics, or uh, just ask us some random questions. We always appreciate that. I know Bill Barnes does, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Guys, have a great rest of the week. And as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.